This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone. I'm Alice Cash, and welcome to this week's edition of Weekly Woman. This August, as you already know, we're talking about the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And here, as my special guest at the beginning of our podcast this week, is my sister because she knows so much more history than I do. So here is Samantha, the most passionate historian I've ever met. (laughs) I wouldn't say that I, like, am a historian. I just have a great love of learning things. Or way too many facts that she spouts at me constantly. Yes, that is is an accurate description of what I am. Too many. Too many. Okay, so you have some facts about the 19th Amendment for us. Can you talk to me? She was very passionate about it in the pantry yesterday as she decried how I needed to talk about all these things as we were both searching for gummy bears. But here she is with facts on the 19th Amendment. So first of all, I want to state that I have no idea how this is not a movie yet. This is a wonderful story uh, with like ups and downs and like prohibition and crazy things and stuff. Um, So first off, you need 36 states in order to ratify something and to order to get it to come into law. So you can write the bill, but it doesn't matter until all of the states pass it. So it had gotten to 35 states by March of 1920, but it took until August to get that final state to finally approve it. And the state that was, you know, the final tipping stone in giving women the right to vote was Tennessee. What? It was Tennessee. It I can't t- believe that. In the summer of august it was super hot it was super crazy and you know congress wasn't even in session at the time woodrow wilson the president of the time actually called a special session to get all of the men in so that they could vote on this issue because previously the day before his inauguration there had been a huge march on washington with all of these women and parades it was it was giant it was it was wonderful and so woodrow wilson knew that in order for him to like keep his base, he needed to get women to get and to be able to vote. Wow, that's so fascinating. So it was just like an idea of like how to keep my seat. Yeah, I, I mean, isn't everything at this point? Yeah, interesting. Okay. So how did Tennessee end up as this state as the turning point? Well, it was a really interesting situation. So think about like back in like Tennessee with the big porches and you know it's super hot and there's bugs everywhere and people are sitting out and like with giant fans and stuff but you might also notice that all of the men also have on either red roses or yellow roses red roses or yellow roses what are you talking about yes okay so the suffragettes all came in swarms to come like you know help your, their cause and help fight for everything but the anti-ratificationists also came and they came with red roses and the suffragettes came with yellow roses and so if you came and were like oh well yes of course i'll vote for the suffragist movement i will vote for the right for women to be able to vote as well then you get a little yellow rose pinned on your lapel okay so let let me get this straight so if i wanted votes for women i wanted a yellow rose yes if i was like no i don't want this i would want a red rose yes which is crazy because everyone should want a yellow rose everyone should want a yellow rose of course okay so all the yellow roses always i never want a red rose again i never want to see it in my face ever i'll tell mom that get that away from me um 
So it was a very good way to visually see where the vote was going. And early in the day, the suffragettes were winning hand over foot. Like everyone was wearing yellow roses. It was yellow as far as the eye can see. Yeah, but like I said. But it wasn't just those two players in the game. Jack Daniels also had a foot in the game. Jack Daniels? Like the... Like the liquor, liquor company? Yeah, Jack what Daniels. That liquor? That's like a whiskey? It's a or... whiskey. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. It's a Tennessee whiskey. Huh. So Jack Daniels set up a suite in one of the hotels right near the courthouse. And so that but all of the men... prohibition. Yes. So they weren't drinking alcohol at all. It was just a hangout spot where they were all in this room and there was like loud singing and definitely no booze drinking whatsoever. Um, and lo and behold, everyone started to get that red rose because you could only get into the room if you wore a red rose. <gasps> wow. So the tides flipped super dramatic. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was all so you could get into a party. It was all so you could get into a party. Because it was so visual, the suffragettes like felt like they had lost it. Because as the men were walking in to take their vote and sit down, um, the women were out there counting all of the roses as they went in. And they had lost by like, I think it was one to two votes at that point in time. It was super close, but still, they did not get it. And so all of the women who were, you know, fighting for our rights, they all were just like so sad because they were like, this is it. We like put in this big push. And so they were starting to like try and plan on how they were going to push for the next state or, you know, what they were going to be able to do next. Um, But what they didn't know is that a 24 year old named Harry T. Byrne was about to vote. And that morning he had received a letter from his mother. It was seven pages long and mostly just talked about things back on the farm and what his sisters were doing. But like in the middle of all of it, there's this one line that said, hoorah and vote for suffrage and don't keep them in doubt. And that was it. It was like in the middle of talking about like, you know, like the cows and everything. And he had a red rose on. And he had a red rose on. So he voted for the suffragettes for votes for women, but he came out with this red rose. So everyone thought they had lost, right? Because they were counting these roses. So, yes, he went in with a red rose. But when it finally came time for him to vote, he just had this overwhelming feeling of needing to, you know, please his mother. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Don't we all? Um, And so when the time finally came to his vote, he flipped and wow. his was the deciding vote. And there was one other guy later on who voted as well, but his was the deciding vote because he was the one that flipped the vote. So every vote really does make a difference. Every vote does make a difference. And even when you feel like, you know, it's down to the wire, you know, or you feel like you haven't made it, you know, there's always that little bit of a chance. Wow. Thank you so much, Samantha, for coming on and telling me this story again that I first heard in my pantry in my house. While we ate gummy bears. Yes, delicious. All right. Go out there and vote. It's the 100th year. It's it's a celebration. Hooray for the 19th Amendment. Hooray. Now I'd like to welcome on Dr. Gaida. You might have heard her previously on the podcast, and we're welcoming her to hear more about what she's up to as an OBGYN this month as we're talking about heroes of women. And today I'm talking with Dr. Jessica Gaida. 
Dr. Guida started an Instagram platform, Smiles and Scrubs, where she talks about being an OBGYN, her life in medicine, and women's health. Um, she's currently a fourth-year resident in Philly, and we're so excited to have her on today. So thank you, Dr. Guida. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be able to participate in your podcast and reach out. Great. Um, so I just have some questions uh, getting started. Like, what are your must-have essentials in your purse? Um, so I think being a resident, I haven't quite transitioned to that adult purse yet. I definitely still use my backpack <laughs> for everything. So, um, I literally don't go anywhere without it. So in addition to like my normal wallet and keys, I always have an extra set of underwear and socks cause you never know when amniotic fluid's going to get somewhere. <laughs> um, some Advil. Uh, in case a headache strikes and then I keep earplugs in my backpack um, in case I do get a moment to rest on call uh, that way I can sleep soundly and I just turn the volume on my uh, phone up really loud oh great yeah. <laughs> that's perfect yeah <laughs> um what is your best book that you've read um lately um, so I do a lot of audible because my commute's kind of long. It's about 40 minutes there and back. Uh, so the best book I've listened to in the past year, it's called Maybe You Should Talk to Somebody, or I'm sorry, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone um, by Lori, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her last name, Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B. Huh. And uh, she is a therapist that goes into therapy. And oh, so she, wow. Yeah, documents her... Um, kind of experience in therapy and then uses some uh, patient interactions that she had too and shows how them being in therapy improved their lives. So yeah. it was so good. Oh, that's really interesting. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard yeah. of it. Yeah, oh. it was like a five star. Oh, wow. Um, what are you currently watching? Uh, so my husband and I just finished Silicon Valley on HBO. Oh, I've heard that's really good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like most shows, I feel like the ending was a little so-so, but the show itself was good. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, can you talk about becoming an OBGYN? Um, what led you to start that process? And I know it's like a long journey through medical school and then residency. Um, what made yeah. you someone? Definitely. Um, I feel like as far back as I can remember, I've wanted to be a doctor even probably before I really knew what being a doctor was. I just liked helping people. Um, and so in college, um, I majored in life science, which is a little bit less intense than like pre-med or biology. Um, and I just took the prerequisite courses for medical school. And then I did the four years of med school and now I'm in four years of residency. And I just had a bunch of like early kind of exposure experiences, I think, that led me to choose women's health. Um, one of the big ones, I went to Ecuador when I was in college for about a month and a half and stayed with a host family. And both of my host parents are doctors. And mm -hmm. my host mom was an OBGYN. And so it was through her I got to see my first like vaginal delivery, preconception counseling, all kinds of stuff. And I was just like a little baby sophomore in college. I had no idea. Wow. And that like really sparked your love of like women's health. That's it so did. Yeah. It, yeah. Without even knowing or planning, just the universe set me up with that family to stay with. That's amazing. And I know like 
residencies, you apply for different ones, and you end up in that city. Are you from Philly, or did you come from I, somewhere else? Yeah, I'm from the greater Philadelphia region, so like a half an hour oh. outside of Philly in Media, Pennsylvania. And That's then my husband and I live in, yeah, we live in Philly right now and have for the last five years or so. Oh, wow. Okay, gotcha. And you're in your fourth year. That's amazing. I didn't realize it was only four years or I, I really don't know. Um, that's awesome. What are your plans for after? Um, so I'll actually be joining a private practice in the suburbs of Philly. Awesome. And I'm super excited. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's a, it's kind of surreal to think that this very long, like 12 year journey is coming to um, the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Um, and perfect that you get to stay around Philly too. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, yeah. My husband works out in Malvern, so we're pumped to stay in the area and kind of get to serve the population that I grew up uh, surrounded by. Oh, that's awesome. What are, what are your favorite parts about Philadelphia? Um, I think in terms of like living in Philly, we love the walkability of the city. Mm. Um, I mean, yesterday it was snowing and we just decided to go for a walk and kind of see where the day took us. And um, you just never know like what restaurant you're going to stumble upon or coffee shop or cute bar. What are your favorite restaurants? So if we ever go there. Oh, definitely. So uh, there's this restaurant called Zahav. It just got named the number one restaurant in the United States. What? And wow. right. It's crazy. It's literally um, like a block and a half from our apartment. And yeah, we've been trying to go literally for five years. Um, they let you book three months out and you have to like go on at midnight to their website and like book it for three months out. So we finally got this reservation and we went and it, it was so good. Um, what kind of that, food is it? It's um, kind of Israeli Mediterranean and it's a really small dining experience. Wow. Uh, yeah, so they do like their tasting menu was like 50 bucks a person. It wasn't even that crazy expensive and their food was just so delicious. Wow, that's amazing. Huh. It was, but we're definitely not like upscale diners all the time. I think our probably favorite places are like uh, just, you know, run of the mill cute bars with good bar food. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, I've never made it to Philly. I'm in New York City, but um, oh, that's so close. funny. I have to go. You are so close. I feel like it's always the opposite. People from Philly go to New York. Oh, but okay. you, I feel like New Yorkers don't always come back to Philly. Yeah, New York's I, so I've, big. I've always wanted to go. I want. I really want to see the Liberty Bell, which is kind yes. of yes. <laughs> no, no, that's in my yeah. I mean, it's like a ten minute walk from where we live that's so right now. Cool. So I know it's what you always take that for granted, right? Like. You're like, oh, it's just in my backyard, but the same with New York. I feel like you probably do all the fun, like, Broadway shows and things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, can you talk about starting Smiles and Scrubs and how it started and why you decided to start it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I kind of joined Instagram back in 2015. I was a fourth year med student. And um, like you said, when you apply for residency and stuff, you apply kind of broadly throughout the country. And it's a very stressful experience because you really don't have any control. You enter like where you want to go and all of the hospitals rank you and some computer algorithm matches you guys up across the country. And um, it's a, you know, it's a binding contract. So you don't really get, it's not like a, nah, I don't want to go there. It's a, this is happening. <laughs> 
So highly stressful time. Um, I kind of found myself feeling a little bit isolated and exhausted and was just really unhealthy and stressed out. And um, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, I don't know where that bubbly bright, like first year med student that was so excited to change the world went. She kind of disappeared throughout the stress of medical school. And I knew that if I was going to survive residency and be a doctor that actually enjoys doing what I do, I needed to make some changes. Um, and so that's kind of when I started my Instagram presence. I ended up joining uh, a beach body. Have you ever heard of it? No, what is that? It's uh, online. It's like a, a multi-level marketing type of uh business, if you will. But it's, it's kind of a lot more than that. They, they do home, there's a whole online like home workout and they have meal plans and um, even more so like a a community of people that are all committed to getting healthy and keeping each other accountable. And so I joined this like organization with one of um, my friends from college who happened to be in her OBGYN residency. And uh, it was like just the perfect fit. And so I joined the Instagram community really to keep myself accountable and kind of really learn to like stay positive. And that's kind of how smiles and scrubs with like the tagline of choosing you. So choosing yourself while you're learning to take care of other people mm. came into fruition and it's just kind of like developed from there. Yeah. It's wonderful. Everyone, you should all check out her Instagram at smiles and scrubs. Um, it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Can you talk about like some of the women that you've interacted with on that platform now? Um, do you have any? Oh, definitely. Definitely. So talking about my friend that I joined this beach body with and, um, you know, how she kind of got involved with me, her name's Meredith, um, Carbone Doyle, her, her Instagram's at the veggie doc. Um, and yeah, so she's an OBGYN too. And when I was like way back before Instagram was even like a, a thing on my radar, I reached out to her on Facebook and, um, we've continued now through Instagram and in real life too. We were actually in the same sorority in college. Uh, I know, but she was a senior and I was a little baby freshman. So she graduated and, you know, our paths may never have crossed again had it not been for social media. And she's kind of been my friend and mentor and like a voice of reason in my life. She has encouraged me throughout like every step of the way in medical school and residency and finding the right attending job. And it's just been amazing and all because of social media. That's awesome. Wow. Um, Where do you see Smiles and Scrubs going or growing? That is such a great question. Um, I think for now, I am definitely passionate about this kind of like choose you mentality and finding the positive in life and learning how to care for yourself while, like I said, caring about others. Um, It's kind of been the driving force that's kept me motivated and so passionate throughout residency. Um, So definitely continuing with that. And then I don't really know. I have some like lofty goals in the future of maybe like writing a book or starting some type of, yeah, outreach to medical students or people in residency that are, you know, going through the throes of it. But I don't really know. That's amazing. That that all sounds wonderful. 
You oh, can do you. it. Yeah. As your smiles and scrubs is like, go for it. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would tell someone. Just see where it takes you. Oh, that's awesome. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Jubilance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. And our podcast is really about like being a female, like what it means to be a woman. Um, For you, I mean, that definition is constantly evolving and changing with our society, but for you right now at this moment, um, what is your definition for being a woman? I think it's, that's, yeah, like you said, it's always changing, right? Like I'm a female, I know I'm a woman, I take care of women, I'm one of three girls, Um, you know, it's just, oh, you are, no, are you the... Where are you in the middle or? I'm the oldest. The oldest? Oh, me yeah. too. Me oh. too. <laughs> it is fun. So, yeah. I mean, I just love being a woman and female. I think today my definition of that would be kind of embracing yourself and not being scared to wear a dress and lipstick and curl your hair just for a regular day of the office. And then being able at the same time to embrace like going home and wearing sweatpants and eating frozen pizza on the couch (laughs) and knowing that like you are still the same strong, powerful um, person, you know, regardless of what you're portraying to society, just because of everything that we've done as females. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, and then I, my other question, like along with that is, uh, if you ran into someone on the street, a woman on the street, and you had like one minute to give them advice, um, what would it be? So that was a, that was a tough question. Cause you, you had shared these questions with me before and I was yeah. like, what would I tell someone on the street? So I think my biggest piece of advice that applies, you know, outside of medicine, inside of medicine is, uh, something called blinders. And so let me just explain that real fast. So, you know, race courses, when they're racing, they have shields on the sides of their eyes so that they can't see, um, you know, the horse to their right or the horse to their left. They're just looking in their own lane. And I think that we need to do that more as people. I think that one of the biggest struggles I've had in medicine and just life in general has been comparing myself to other people. And when you do that, you're just setting yourself up to fail. So really just knowing yourself, know your plans, know your goals, and then put your blinders on and just stay in your own lane. Because it doesn't matter if your best friend publishes 17 research papers 
and you want nothing to do with research, you know, like, but somehow, you know, your friend doing that, you can feel a little inadequate sometimes, even if you want nothing to do with research in the future, you want to be a community physician that does not do research, which is totally me. And I know my video is not working, but I'm raising my hand. <laughs> um, and just realizing that we all have different goals. And just because someone achieves something great doesn't make you any less good. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Guida. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to our listeners? Um, let me think. I think probably if, and then I know I just gave that big piece of advice, but um, I would say just think really hard about like what it is that makes you happy and hold on to that, whatever it is. Um, you know, medicine can take a lot from you, but it's your decision what you give back. So hold on tight to what makes you you and find the good because there's so much of it. Thank you so much, Dr. Guida. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being so, on. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored I got to participate. Mm-hmm.